A return episode of the Tony G Show, Season 7, Episode 10. This is a Tuesday. We missed last Thursday. We didn't have a show last Thursday. And you were in an, you were in an above-averagely good mood. Yeah. You are. I am right now? Yes. Correct. Really? Yes. Do you usually come in here like super grumpy on, on the Tuesdays, Thursdays? Uh, compared to today... I wouldn't say like grumpy. But no, you just you know, like today dead. you're like happy, you're bubbly, you're yeah, making jokes I, left and right. It's because I had a good day in my in my investments class. Somewhat, you know, oh, wasn't wow. like. That's the life of a college student, though. I mean, yeah. you have a good day in class, oh. the whole life is made. You write it a bad out. One, then you have a bad day in class, and oh my goodness, ruins the next three. <laughs> How was your break, Will? It was good. Once I went uh, camping in the woods and in the UP, which was fun. So up in the Porkies, okay. had a good time, sure. disconnecting. Yep. Listen to the Tony G show all weekend on repeat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, That'd be kind of weird if I did. did that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It would be actually. Pretty like self-absorbed. Yeah. For myself. Well, way to make me Anyways, feel how, how, was, how was your weekend? It was good. Uh, you know, I found something out over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And this pertains to the podcast. Yeah. I got this email. You know, I always we always say we have Troy say in the introduction that Tony G show is available wherever you get your podcast. And I got this email over the weekend. It was like Thursday. And it was from the someone from a support staff at Amazon Podcasts, Amazon Music actually, because that's mm-hmm. what it's built under. So Amazon Music, and they were sending me all this information about Alexa and this and that and different ways to listen to your podcast as a creator. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. So I went over to the family Alexa thing yeah. in our living room, and I said, uh, Alexa, play the Tony G Show. And what do you know, Will? <laughs> it started to play the most recent episode of the Tony G Show. That's Isn't so that sick. awesome? That is cool. The Tony G Show is now available with Amazon Alexa. Yeah, so if you really want to listen and you don't really feel like going on your phone, just yeah. say exactly that. Exactly. Hey, yo, Lexi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we say around the house so she doesn't turn on and start listening to us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you just go around saying, yeah, we have the new Alexa or whatever, she'll be yeah. like, oh, no, no, I'm listening. So we just call her Lexi. I like that. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Tony G Show and coming off this break, Wednesday, we released an episode that was the interview with Tim Coughlin, five-time national champion head coach of the St. Norbert College men's hockey team. That was a phenomenal interview. It was great. We've been advertising it left and right. If you haven't caught that yet, make sure to give that a listen. It's an awesome episode. Uh, Tim goes in-depth about so many stories about his legendary career and how he got to St. Norbert. It's a really great interview, fantastic interview. And, uh, I mean, from an unbiased point of view, mm-hmm. you know, we're, I want to advertise that episode so you listen to it, but not just... For us, I mean, it's actually genuinely a great episode, just like all our episodes are. It felt like a fun conversation more than an interview. Correct. It did. Which was cool, getting to hear some stories. And you know, Will, in the seventh season of the Tony G Show, we just keep going from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. Tim Coughlin's interview is up, but we have another October series scheduled uh, for an interview, and this is SNC women's volleyball player, Liz Mostrick. Liz Mostrick just surpassed. She is the libero for the... Volleyball team. She just surpassed 1,000 digs. We were... It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we were excited to get her. It, it's an amazing stat to accomplish, and um, we're very appreciative for her time coming on the show. That'll... You know, stay tuned for information as we continue to set up times uh, to schedule these interviews and release them. So, Tony G Show interviews are just keep cooking, just like the Tony G Show. Well, again, this is our 10th episode of the season. Always, wow. a, always a milestone mark, because mm-hmm. in season four, we were cut off at 10 because of COVID. That's right. So we come back season five, season six, and season seven, stronger, better than ever, mm-hmm. releasing more episodes than 
than that shortened season four because of the the, uh, coronavirus. So very excited to surpass 10 episodes. Here's what we're going to cover today. The best college football game that I've seen all season was on Saturday. Alabama, Texas A&M, the nightcap on CBS. I mean, it just felt like college football. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about College Station. We're going to talk about Texas A&M. We'll talk about Alabama and what this means for their – as they lost this game, we'll talk about what this means for their playoff chances as well. Then after that first segment, we'll – a quarterback spotlight. Usually this is something we do as the main segment, a big quarterback spotlight. But this is just the second segment. I just want to touch on it. Uh, very briefly, so we're going to do a mini quarterback spotlight on Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, and this segment will includes a hot take. I'm going to throw out a hot take. Oh, I read it. You did? Yeah. You're smiling. Is that what you're smiling at? Yeah. Oh, I'm smiling about something else too, but okay. I am smiling about that. Okay. I'm excited. Okay. We'll see how. Well, maybe a little bit of disagreement, maybe a little bit of argument. Stay tuned for that. And then, of course, uh, we're going to round out Tony G's picks of the week. Somber tone that we will recap Tony G's picks of week five. Uh-oh, indeed. This is the Tony G (laughs) Show. Can't wait to get back to it. Season 7, Episode 10. You're listening to the Tony G Show, now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony G Ordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. The game of the year on Saturday, Will, Alabama, Texas A&M. I just had to talk about it. I had to make it the number one segment. I was watching this game, coming off of watching Iowa and Penn State, which was another great college football game, not to mention the baseball that was mixed in. And out of all of this amazing football and baseball, these amazing sports and games that I watched over the weekend, this was the one that I had to talk about. It was the one that just captivated me. I couldn't look away. You're calling this game of the year already? Yes, 100%. 100%. This was the absolute game of the year. Alabama at Texas A&M. Might have been a different result if it was in Alabama, but it was at College Station in Texas A&M. And the Aggies of Texas A&M got the win 41-38. Upset at home of number one ranked Alabama. So I bring up this conversation to point this in a few different directions. First, I want to talk about Texas A&M and how they played, talk about College Station and how beautiful of a place that is for college football. Then we'll switch to Alabama and ultimately what this means in the playoff rankings and as well as the AP poll college football rankings coming out of this most recent week in the college football landscape. So we'll start here. Game of the season, Will. Absolutely. Game-winning field goal by Texas A&M. They had the lead early, and then it kind of went back and forth. Alabama got back into it because it's Alabama, of course. Texas A&M found their way after allowing Alabama to get back in the ballgame. And eventually, Texas A&M did edge out a victory, 41-38. I I think the game is really a measure of, of course, how well Texas A&M played. I mean, they took Alabama to the wire, not to Mm -hmm. mention they got up big, had a big start, and were able to persist through the comebacks that Alabama inevitably has because they're Alabama. I mean, they're the Crimson Tide. They do that every week, even if they're leading. I mean, they don't take the foot off the gas. They always stay competitive in the game and try to, you know, I mean, it's Alabama. I don't need to really explain that. I think this game, of course, like I said, was a measure of how Texas A&M played, but it's also a measure of home field advantage for Texas A&M. Texas A&M plays at College Station at Kyle Field. And I I absolutely, even before this game, I've always had this fascination with College Station. Football in the South is something different, Well, I mean, it is Mm -hmm. just a different breed of football, especially at the college level. I mean, you see these big 
stadiums and arenas filled for high school football. I mean, to the brink. Yeah. Like, stadium capacity for high school football, let alone college. So when you see a game at Texas A&M College Station, well, there was 106,000 people at this. 106,000 people. That's crazy. Think about it. Packers, you know, Lambeau Field is what? Almost 80, 77-ish? Yeah, I thousand? think it's, it's either just above or just below 80. Exactly. Throw in another 30, 35, 40,000 people. Yeah, that's a lot. Unbelievable amount of people that can fit in the state. I mean, it's just football in the South. It's football in the state of Texas. Seems like college football has a bigger, I, I don't know, even Michigan. I think the, the big house is like 100, or no, sorry, Penn State, I think, is. Big house is also 100. huge, though. Yeah. Penn oh, yeah. State, you, you know, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't just categorize this in the South. I mean, college football is something different. It's different. I mean, Camp Randall fits 80 easy, mm-hmm. I think. 85, 86, I think I've heard. It's interesting. Uh, pulling these numbers off the top of my head. But, but it, it's a, a substantial amount of people compared to other levels of sports. I mean, it's just something special. There's yeah. something about the atmosphere. You're not wrong, football. though. That there's a different atmosphere yeah. compared to like the Midwest when the, you're looking at the southern schools. The, oh, absolutely. And the weather has a big part to do. You can do that with baseball, too. Right. The reason that I highlight College Station, and again, I've had a fascination with College Station even before this game, even before I decided to talk about Texas A&M Alabama on this show. It's a bucket list thing for me to go see a college football game at College Station. I mean, the Will, it's called Kyle Field. The place is named College Station. <laughs> college, that's the name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? Right. That is the actual name of like the the city i mean it's college station it's college station yeah i mean it's like title that people say they want to come to green bay to watch a packer game it's title town Mm -hmm. it's the same idea it's the same concept it's the same base principle with texas it's college station i want to go there while i'm still you know college kid right i probably won't by the time i graduate in may maybe it's something that i'll have to put together i don't spring break maybe i'll go announce it there you go how am I going to go watch a football game at College Station in March? I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Get a bunch well. of... Uh, I'll go play. Come on, Mr. McCormick. Yeah, okay, I'll go watch Will McCormick play. <laughs> Point being, it's College Station. It definitely had an impact on this game. It was the second largest crowd in Kyle Field history. Snapping a 19-game winning streak of Alabama, the Crimson Tide coming into College Station. 106,000 people rocking Kyle Field. And the place, essentially, it went up in smoke mm-hmm. when... Uh, Texas A&M edged out that last-second field goal to beat Alabama. Texas A&M, the crowd, stormed the field, rightfully so. As they should, yeah. It was an amazing scene. Texas A&M was later fined by the SEC $100,000 for allowing fans to storm. I don't know if that's a COVID thing. I don't know if that's a a penalty that's always in place. But Texas A&M letting it roll. I would have too. Absolutely, that's the right call. Let them roll. Amazing. And the thing is, I saw this on Twitter. Uh, credit to Joe Pompliano on Twitter, at Joe Pompliano. I'm pulling off the off the top of my head now, too. Mm-hmm. I have a different direction for this argument. But I'm just bringing this up just to kind of capsulize this penalty. <laughs> Texas A&M got fined $100,000. They do about 185000 per game in alcohol sales alone. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good for them, then. Yep. I did now, that 10 times in a game. <laughs> <laughs> See, Tony G isn't big on alcohol. He's not a big alcohol guy. I don't condone. Right. I've mentioned that before. That's not the point, though. The point is they make more than $100,000 per game <laughs> just alcohol sales alone. <laughs> so that crazy. fine is pretty much chump change to them. Okay. Uh, either way, it was an amazing scene. It was a raucous scene. And just a couple of 
numbers that I got throughout the broadcast and looking at social media, and because you know Tony G does his homework after this game and during the game. This is the first loss in Nick Saban's history as a head coach that he's lost to a former assistant head coach. Jimbo Fisher, the head coach of Texas A&M, used to coach under uh, Nick Saban. The first time ever Nick Saban's lost to an assistant coach. First time cool. ever. Awesome. 24-1 mm-hmm. and one is now Nick Saban's record. The CBS broadcast said during the game that Jimbo Fisher uh, was talking to the announcers, the broadcast team, heading into this game, and he said he's going to beat Nick Saban before he retires. That's cool. his goal. Right before this game he said that? Yep, coming into this ah. game. It was a goal of his to beat Nick Saban. He That's wanted awesome. to do it. And what do you know he did it? Nick mm-hmm. Saban succumbs to Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo gets his wish, Will. Good for Jimbo. Good for Jimbo. What a name, too. Good Jimbo man. Fisher. I mean, that's, Great just, man. that's just football. It snapped a 100-game win streak for Al- 100 games for Alabama versus unranked opponents. It's their first loss since a 21-14 loss to Louisiana Monroe in Alabama. That was Nick Saban's first year as a head coach. I believe the year was 2007. <laughs> that's pretty crazy, actually. Since then, they've won the last... 100 games against unranked opponents. (laughs) I mean, wow. Now, it feels like about 45 of those wins have been to the Citadel. Still. Whatever. Yeah, 100 games, though. I mean, like, you think about the NFL on a week-to-week basis. Right. In Alabama, it's... College football's kind of the same thing. I mean, it's kind of not, though, because the rankings play a factor, and you kind of Mm -hmm. know who's going to win sometimes. But it's still... The the concept is still there that it's week-to-week. And the fact that Alabama's won... 100 consecutive games against unranked opponents is just unbelievable. That's absurd. So I want to steer the conversation this direction. What does this loss do to Alabama in terms of playoff rankings? How does this change the selection committee's process? Because Alabama's been in the playoffs seemingly every year that it's been a thing. It's been the Ohio States, it's been the Notre Dames, it's been the Alabamas. And now Alabama has a loss to an unranked team. This isn't a loss to like a a three-ranked Georgia where it's like a close loss, and now you're going to move Alabama down to like three, and Georgia's going to be one. This is a loss to an unranked team. Alabama was favored coming into the game. Alabama came in. They got steamrolled to start. They came back and still lost the game on the road to an unranked opponent. What does this do to the process of the selection committee to getting Alabama in the playoff, if indeed that is a possibility still? Usually when teams lose, and I just kind of gave this example if Alabama loses to like a number three Georgia, usually when a team loses, a playoff team that is ranked high, usually when they lose to an unranked opponent, they're done. They're done. They're not going to be committed. Right. With four teams out of the nation, out of like 120-some in the FBS, it's probable Mm -hmm. that you're not going to – it's just only logical that you're not going to get in for a playoff spot. Alabama throughout the years has been an exception, however. And now, granted, they haven't had the biggest loss to unranked opponents. It's all been ranked. Mm-hmm. But it still goes to show how Alabama is one of the best teams in the country. The selection committee year after year shows the entire Favoritism. world that by picking them in the top four, always getting to the playoffs. Do they deserve to be in it this year if they went out from this point? It's a good, it's a good question. Because I don't think they should. I think now, just based on the amount of good teams that there are in college football this year, and, and the same with every year. But with this year in particular, I think Alabama's not going to be a playoff team this year. They shouldn't be, if unless they do something crazy. I mean, I don't think it's in their control anymore. They can no. win out. But if some of the top-ranked teams in the country are still going to keep winning and not yeah. lose, I mean, what do you do? Right. I mean, what, it, 
then they gonna, they're going to they're gonna get the playoff spot. Here's what that's what I say. I say Alabama's out; they're not going to get in. But what does the the selection committee say? Excuse me. AP poll college football rankings coming out of just last week. Georgia's ranked number one; they're six and zero. Iowa's ranked number two; they're six and zero. Just coming off a big comeback win against Penn State at home. That was a good game to watch. Mentioned that earlier in the show. Cincinnati's five and zero. They were a team that was a top ten team last year. And are really surprising people. I suppose not surprising people, but are really doing mm-hmm. it justice. The fact that they are a team that is for real. I mean, they got a lot of talent. They're five and zero. They're ranked three. Oklahoma ranked four. They're six and zero. Then Alabama ranked at five and one. They're just one spot out of the college football playoff. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they won't be included in this playoff. I think it's a good positioning right now. Ohio State's behind them five and one. Penn State's behind them five and one. Michigan behind them six and zero. A lot of Big Ten up represented in the top 10 and to that point Michigan State's ranked number 10 at 6-0 Oregon's in between Michigan and Michigan State at 4-1 and at number 9 we can get picky with these rankings but we could do you think and this is super hypothetical okay not hypothetical but run it past me yeah does Alabama deserve to be above Ohio State and Penn State in mm. your opinion that's a tough one I think they deserve to be over Penn State mm-hmm. because Penn State Lost to Iowa, so Iowa deserves to be in a top four situation. Mm-hmm. That was number three and four coming into the weekend. Iowa got the win, and they should be the higher-ranked team, Penn State. If they would have won that game, then they should have been higher, vice versa. Because it was, again, a matchup of the two top four yeah. teams in, in the country. Ohio State, I think, is a little different. I do think Alabama should be ranked above them. I, I just think it's weird because, I mean, even though Penn State did lose to Iowa, like that's still a ranked opponent. Yes. You know, I get what you're saying, though. Like, that they were knocked sense. down that much? Yeah. I get it. There's a lot of talent. The one loss that Ohio State's had this season, to answer this question, was at home against Oregon, 35-28 loss. Oregon, a 4-1 and team. They're ranked number nine. That's why Ohio State's higher. But I think that it goes to show that if Ohio State lost to a team that's ranked below them, yeah, maybe they should be decreased in value. Oh yeah, a little more, that, but yeah. I think to answer this question, Alabama is is properly ranked. You think at they are? Five. I do. Really, I, I don't. That, Michigan might might give them a run for their money. Penn State, I think, but I just mentioned that. I think I think it's proper that Alabama. I just five. I see favoritism there. Like I both those teams okay. losing to ranked opponents. That just to me, it's like Alabama should be at seven. Really? Yeah. A one to seven sweep. Okay. They should. I mean, do so you think Ohio State should be five? Penn State be six? Or you think there's another team? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I I just I don't know purely just on the on the fact that they both lost to ranked opponents and Ohio State it's lost weird. to it's weird how the selection committee does it and this conversation comes up year after year yeah about the method of the selection committee I'm sure we've had multiple segments on it yeah I actually I, I know we have I yes 100 percent over 115 episodes we're at now well, right I mean of course we have but the point being Alabama I think. Maybe it is. You know what? Maybe it is the name power that's keeping Alabama that's there. What, uh, it yeah. could be. I don't think it necessarily is. But even if it was, I think there's more than – Alabama's a top team in the country year after year. Yeah. I mean, you've got to think about it this way. In a concept scheme, who are the top teams in the country? And Alabama year after year is in that conversation. Just because – not maybe just because they're Alabama, but because they're that talent. Yeah, you know, that's what they, I'm They're well-coached. They're talented. They're fluent. They're strict. They're there's got to be something else there than just – who they win and lose to, it's got to be talent-based, too. Sure. Because I, I believe that talent-wise, that ranking is probably correct. 
but if they base it solely on their record, then and I, who knows? It's wrong. Who knows? They don't release reasoning behind. Oh yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That, that's I'm, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of hypothetical because there. there's no way we really don't know what goes into it. But right, exactly. And no one really does. Uh, another name that's worth mentioning here. Just a side note: number eleven ranked Kentucky, who is six and zero, undefeated, surprising a lot of people coming into this year. They're at Georgia, at number one ranked Georgia, who is also 6-0 and next week. Mm. That's going to be a good game. I have a lot of people telling me that Georgia's going to wipe the floor with Kentucky. I don't know that it's going to be that way. Yeah. I don't know that it's going to turn out that way. I like Kentucky's offense. I think that they're a well-run team. I think they could go into Georgia, maybe upset. I'm not saying they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went into Georgia and upset Georgia. I would not be surprised. A lot it's of people are saying that. A lot of people are saying Georgia's just too quick. They're too talented. They're going to wipe the floor with Kentucky. Maybe it's my my love and passion for teams that succeed when they're not supposed to. Like, I was a big Underdog. UCF guy when mm-hmm. they were going undefeated and not getting love for it. So maybe that's the same type of idea with Kentucky. But I I like the way they do things. Mm-hmm. Wildcats. I think they could certainly go into Georgia and win that game. game a lot of people day. are building that. I'm not saying it's not a prediction, but right. it wouldn't surprise me if that yeah. happened. Anything can happen on game day. Anything can happen. So week-to-week league. We just talked about that. Yeah, Alabama went to the College Station, got knocked off, 41-38. What a game that was. What a game that was. I kind of hope Georgia wins. I want Alabama to stay at the top four. Okay. I really do. And that's just not biased playing. I just want to see something different. I'm tired of it. Sure. But would that be biased, Well, I guess it because is biased. It, let, me, let me put this perspective past you. You want the top, if you are a college football fan, unbiased, you want the top four teams that's in the true. playoff every That's year. true. Actually, that's pure bias. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thank you bias. for admitting. Yes. Pure bias. Uh, I just don't want Alabama to be in the top four. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're a bad team either. And if it yeah, is the best, true. if it is, if they are one of the best four teams, then that's fine. But and even though Texas A&M is unranked, I mean, it was one hundred and six thousand people at that game. Well, yeah, at College Station, Texas A&M, and they lost. And they, lost. Uh, and they uh, almost Alabama won lost. too. I mean, it's yeah. not like they got mopped. By three touchdowns. I mean, they, they they almost came back and won that game. Hey, almost winning is losing. <laughs> <laughs> In almost my book. winning is losing. Okay, thanks, Will. That's a good point, though. I mean, you're right. I can't, I can't give participation trophies for yeah. coming close and almost winning. You either win or you didn't. You're either a winner or a loser. And in this, in this game, Alabama was the loser. Uh, talking about the college football top four, just to wrap up this conversation. I think it's well worth mentioning the Iowa-Penn State game. A lot of people questioning James Franklin after this loss. It was a comeback win for Iowa over Penn State. And I think that really does speak to me about Penn State. Penn State is this team that year after year, they are in it until they blow it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Penn State is Penn State's biggest enemy every year. They always, I mean, at least for the last three seasons, they've always been this team with one loss, and the one loss is always winnable. And it always costs them a top four ranking, and they always do it to themselves, just like in this game. They win this game. They hold on to that lead. Well, they're a top four team in the country. They're probably ranked at number two where Iowa is. Penn State does it to themselves year after year. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a James Franklin problem. That's not a, Especially at the college football level where you have so, many change, so much change within the roster from people graduating, new recruits, especially with the transfer portal, which, again, Tim Coughlin talked about in the interview. Right. Uh, SNC interview with Tim Coughlin, just a quick plug. But with everything going on for a college football roster, it's a coaching thing if this starts to persist from year to year, which it has in Penn State. Right, and it's not a talent issue. Like, Penn State's a that's a big-time school. Absolutely. That's a big-time school. That's another uh, team with a huge stadium. 
It Penn is. State. Yep. The whiteout game, which they just did two weeks ago. Yeah. Very special place. It's cool. That's Anyways. another bucket list. Yeah. Either way, and and not to mention that James Franklin is it shouldn't be. Uh, James Franklin took Penn State out of the whole Jerry Skandusky scandal, out of the whole Joe Paternal thing, which really trashed Penn State's uh, reputation. There's some people that still do not like them. And rightfully which, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rightfully I'm so. People are they... still thinking about Penn State right. from that era, and that reputation is always it's That's, just been scarred. Yeah. It's just been scarred. James Franklin took Penn State out of that era and submitted them back into the graces of, of the football world, the college football world, with the increased amount of offensive schemes, the increased amount of talent that he brought in, not to mention Saquon Barkley, who came in and changed some things around as well from the running back position, had an innate amount of success there. James Franklin took this program from ashes <laughs> and made it into the successful program that it is. It's constantly a top-10 team. Phoenix from the ashes kind of scenario. Hey. Watch it over there, Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what James Franklin has done. You can't underestimate the, the power of James Franklin moving forward from season to season. If this is a problem that persists, however, it has to get tended to. It has to get tended to. This is starting to become a James Franklin thing. With all the, the good stuff being said about him, all the positives that he did resurrecting Penn State's football program, it's not without mentioning that there is a problem from year to year now where Penn State's ranked in the top 10, ranked in the top 5, and then they always have that one loss that costs them big, and they always do it to themselves. Year after year, Penn State does this to themselves, and it's a problem that cost them again this year, and if it costs them, in, it, it has to get tended to now, because this is like a persisting problem, as I've mentioned for the last three years. If it persists from year to year, moving forward, there might have to be a change at the head coaching position, which I would hate to see, because James Franklin's done an amazing job mm-hmm. in Penn State, but the goal here is to win championships. That is the goal for every college football team. So as we wrap up this conversation, tying in Alabama and Texas A&M, we have a little time here. We don't have to scurry off to the next segment, so I guess we could talk about this. Uh, places to watch a college football game. Well, I've watched college football at Camp Randall. Amazing experience. Check that off my bucket list. I've done it twice. Three times, actually, I think I've done it. Yeah, yeah, three times I've watched Camp Randall. Badger football at Camp Randall. I've also watched Big Ten Championship game at Lucas Oil Stadium, yeah, Ohio State, come back over Wisconsin. That was not a. It was a fun night. I can't. I can't say it wasn't, but it was a gut wrenching, mm-hmm. <laughs> gut wrenching experience. I think Texas A and M College Station's at the top of the list, and then the whiteout game at Penn State would probably be pretty cool to be at. Not the big house. No, no. Uh, big house. I, yeah, it doesn't do much for me. No. I'd have to be there for the right game. Yeah. Like Michigan, Notre Dame type of deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think they'll do that anymore. But either way, uh, another bucket list college football uh, setting that I want to be at, well, the Iron Bowl. Ooh. Auburn, Alabama. Yeah. Either either location. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Especially when those two pro- uh, programs are good in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Look out. Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be a good game regardless, but that is I mean, that is quite the, se- the setting, the scene. I've only been to Camp Randall. Yeah. Once, when I was like fifteen. Okay. But whenever, you still remember it though. Whenever when Melvin Gordon was the premier back. Oh yeah. What game did you watch? Do you remember who it was? No, it was some unranked. It oh, wasn't anything. Yeah, probably something early. I yeah. The game that I went to for Camp Randall, 
there was UAB that came in. <laughs> um, there was a Northwestern game I went to, and then the third one was like some unranked. Some yeah. Program. You just can't remember. I don't know. It is what it is. It was cool though. Yeah, it was quite the experience. It's, it's college, way football different. Di- college football does it different. Way different than, especially NFL. down south. But yeah, anywhere, cool setting to be. Mm-hmm. At. Rose Bowl game, I think, would be a cool thing to go to as well. That would be. Yeah, that would be pretty nice. Well, the things I would do with money. <laughs> college debt thank you very much we're going to move from one segment to another segment talking about college football glory with the Alabamas with the Penn States with the Georgias with Texas A&M and College Stations moving from college glory to former college glory a mini quarterback spotlight on former national champion for the LSU Tigers and current Cincinnati Bengal quarterback Joe Burrow mini quarterback spotlight on him. I watched this game on Sunday Packers Bengals and I saw a lot of things that impressed me with Joe Burrow. I saw a lot of rookie mistakes, however, as well. And I want to propose an argument that is a little bit of a hot take, Will. I, a little. I can't wait till we get here and hear your perspective on this. And as well as Tony G Nation's perspective after I release uh, this episode and this episode's published. I think it's a very hot take and I can't wait to hear some feedback on it. <laughs> I'll start here. There were some mistakes in Joe Burrow's game. There were certainly uh, a few of... Aaron throws, there was times that he rushed out of the pocket when he didn't need to, but granted, that's an offensive line thing. I'll talk about that in a second. There were some times that he ran and took a big hit when I didn't think he needed to. He still makes these rookie mistakes. Yeah. But remember, well, he had his rookie season cut short because of the tourney. Oh, yeah. So this is technically like an extended rookie season. He's still working out. Some of these, he's still getting the flow of the game. He's yeah. still getting to this point where he is a established Sunday Seasoned. player. Yeah, exactly. He's not player. there yet. He still has these rookie mistakes, and everyone flaws him. Joe Burrow played terrible. Joe Burrow's not a good. It's still his rookie season, technically. Right. I mean, it's just an extension. He had his rookie season cut short. Now he's still making some of these mistakes. It's gonna happen. What week did he tear his ACL again? It was pretty early on, wasn't it? It was, it was very like, early. I think like, it was like week. I think it was almost like the, at this point of the season where he tore yeah. the ACL. So he re- didn't even really get to see much. You no. know, he, this is basically like half of his rookie year and not to mention that joe burrow supremely talented but like i said these mistakes are they're just going to be made i mean you right. can't fault someone uh too far for making these well, mistakes and and if you're we can't ignore the fact that he didn't really sit behind anybody so exactly. there's there's that you know he was kind of thrown right into the mix he was drafted and made the starting guy right away mm-hmm. doing some uh stat searching for joe burrow played 10 games last year Five this year. So he still doesn't have a full 16, well, I suppose now 17 games under his belt. He doesn't have a full season under his belt. He's going to make some of these mistakes. People fault him and crucify him for it. And it's like the guy is Mm -hmm. not experienced for a reason. He had an injury. And not to mention, Will, and I I alluded to this earlier, and I said I wanted to bring it up, so I will still certainly do that. He just gets absolutely blown up (laughs) in Cincinnati, okay? That is a bad offensive line. He did make some choices, like some questionable business decisions. Yes. He got... Absolutely laid out by Darnell Savage. Like, <laughs> yes. I was concerned. I just slide, dude. Because, I, yeah, I don't like seeing that. That's not fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was down for quite some time, I too. was worried. Mm-hmm. That's not fun. I, don't, I mean, I don't wish that on any other team's quarterback. But I think it, that's something that happens often. I mentioned that he's he flushes himself out of the pocket when he doesn't need to. It's because he doesn't have much of a pocket, Will. When right. he drops back to pass, the offensive line... I Crumbles. Just, it just kind of <laughs> <it just> decays. <laughs> yeah. It's just bad offensive line play. 
more times than not. Which was the same story last year. Yes. Basically. And I also want to make this... This isn't my hot take. This isn't the main portion of the argument. But it's the time to bring up uh, this take. I think Joe Burrow is going to be the next Ben Roethlisberger. Mm. He's a guy who's going to get absolutely pounded. Yeah. He's just going to have like... <laughs> I don't know if he's going to finish with the two Super Bowls and go to the three, four Super Bowl games. I don't know if he's going to have that type of success. But just the trajectory of his injuries and his level of play, Joe Burrow is the next Ben Roethlisberger. He'll be a good player, but kind of... He gets hurt from time to time, pretty serious injuries, somehow sticks around for, like, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So the, like you, see the, you see the comparison. Right? Yeah. And, of course, it just happens to be in a season where Ben Roethlisberger is, like, win- injured every single week. Yeah. I mean, he has a new injury. He should have retired a year ago, Will. Should've. I said that multiple times. I, I said know. that in season six. I said it in season seven. Time, it's time to call it Big Ben. I'm sorry, man, but it is. <laughs> Back to his AFC North rival. It's a Cincinnati Bengal quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's going to be the next Ben Roethlisberger. Here's what I saw on Sunday, though, Will. This is where I'm going to make my hot take. Are you ready for this one? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> ready. I'm so excited. You're smiling already. After what I saw, granted mm. some mistakes, excusable mistakes with how few games he's played. He was a fighter. I see the look on your face already. Well, you know excusable mistakes. You're already you're already uh, defending his bad play. Of course I am. Okay, first off, <laughs> the guy has it, coming off an injury. Joe Burrow, with the talent that he has, with the plays that he made, with some of the throws that he was making, with his vision downfield, with his ability to run. Sometimes he gets himself in trouble. Yes, but with all this ability and the way he played on Sunday, will Joe Burrow flat out beat Aaron Rodgers on Sunday? <laughs> Just so to give perspective, I'll read off some stats. Okay, go for it. So Joe Burrow had a 68% completion percentage. Almost 70%. Very good. 280 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, Mm -hmm. rating of 85. Rodgers had a 69.2% completion percentage. Completion percentage. There you go. 344 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception, and a passer rating of 102.9. So please let me know how he outplayed Rodgers. I'd, (laughs) I'd love for you to enlighten me, Tony. Joe Burrow marched down the field. He did the same thing Jimmy Garoppolo did in that Sunday night football game. He marched the Cincinnati Bengals into field goal position, drive after drive after drive, late in that ball game. Mm-hmm. He went possession for possession against Aaron Rodgers. Joe Burrow beat Aaron Rodgers. His kicker didn't come I don't through think for him. He did. Evan McPherson didn't come through for the Bengals numerous times. Mason Crosby didn't he had do the it chance numerous to. times. Crosby Mason missed. Crosby was the one that got the win. If Mason Crosby. Or, or Evan McPherson. If Evan McPherson makes one of those kicks, Packers lose that game. And I think the entire national storyline, the narrative that is not being had because the Packers won that game, is that Joe Burrow beat Aaron Rodgers. It's the same On thing what that almost ground? happened. It's the same thing that almost happened, Will, with Jimmy Garoppolo. On what? I don't understand like where you think he outplayed him because he didn't in any statistical category. When he needed to step up, make a throw, <laughs> step up in the pocket, make a throw, poise, Confident and not letting the moment get too big for him, Will. Joe Burrow beat Aaron Rodgers. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> no, he went he possession for possession with future Hall of Famer and three-time MVP and one-time Super Bowl champion, should be three, four-time Super Bowl champion, and one-time Super Bowl MVP. Joe Burrow went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers He on went Sunday. toe-to-toe, but he didn't play better. How do you go? T- Joe Burrow went toe-to-toe. And beat Aaron Rodgers on no. Sunday. He should have got the win on a few different occasions. He should have. So, so should have Rodgers. They should have, they should have won it on that PAT. But they wouldn't Joe, have even had a... And granted, there was a missed field goal by Mason Crosby early in that game, too. That, and, that game I mean, the first touchdown overtime. was... It should have been a one-point victory. But you, I can't bring up the what-ifs because 
you know, what if the Bengals were down by a few more scores and then there's a little bit more of a fire, there's a different scheme for how to get back in the game and try to win this ball game, and the Bengals would... I, Joe Burrow beat Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. Yes, he did. He, he did outplayed not. him. No, he, he didn't. flat out outplayed no, him. No, he didn't. And I'm not, I'm not begging on Aaron Rodgers. No. Rodgers played great. Rodgers played great all season. He played better than Joe Burrow did. But Joe Burrow outplayed him. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Maybe not on the stat sheet. I'll but, take, I'll but take Rodgers he any day drove in that game. that Cincinnati Bengal offense down the field when he needed to as a young, poised quarterback who does not have a full season under his belt. I Full get season of games under his belt yet to this point in his career. That doesn't career. mean he played better. And he played so well that he put the Cincinnati Bengals in a position to beat the Green Bay Packers on numerous on numerous possessions and not just beat the Green Bay Packers, but beat Aaron Rodgers. Joe Burrow, I'll play. So what if no. the narrative... No, so he didn't. What if this happens, Will? Let's just go on the record to say that I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I, I, I'm glad that we disagree. We're, it's both out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm right, you're wrong. But what if the Bengals get the win on Sunday? And this coming off of a he few still, weeks, he still played worse. <laughs> and this, hold on now. And this is a still weeks, still this is a few couple weeks off of Jimmy Garoppolo almost beating mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. So the 49ers win that game, Bengals win that game. Yeah. And the Packers are going to be sitting at two and three now. Mm-hmm. What's the narrative then? Aaron Rodgers is getting beat by these quarterbacks who he is better than. There's no question about that. He's more mm-hmm. talented than. So what's the narrative then? He got beat if. if, if Hypothetically, if that happened, he got beat by Jimmy Garoppolo. He got beat by Joe Burrow. I, well, I guess I have to look at the stats, but according to the rating, he's significantly outplayed Joe Burrow. <laughs> you statistically, look at, I tell you what. Statistically, he beat Joe Burrow in every category besides touchdowns in which they tied. I tell you what, you Gen Z analytical <laughs> number crunching Will McCormick. Joe hey man, Burrow, you watch that game. Data doesn't lie. Data you watch that lie. game. Joe Burrow outplayed Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers played great. Aaron Rodgers statistically played very well. Statistically played better. <laughs> and Joe Burrow beat Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. In Tony's world, that is. That is the narrative. In Tony's mind and his, somehow, his, logically, he's come to that conclusion. That is the narrative. No. I, I it's not, what, it is not the narrative. It nobody's, should be. It nobody's should talking be, about it because it's false. But there's the argument, well, that what if the 49ers win that game? What if the Cincinnati Bengals win that game? Then the narrative yeah, is Aaron Rodgers getting beat by these teams. Of course. Of course they would talk about that, but the stats wouldn't show that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they lost with these stats, if, if, the games, if the results were flipped with these stats, of course they're going to say it's Aaron Rodgers' fault I because that's the media. But statistically, he played better. I can't discount statistics. I can't discount analytics. It's used in baseball all the time, which is my number one sport as a broadcaster, my number one sport as a fan. However, there is still some words that are left unsaid in regards to watching players play and deciding who was the better player, deciding who was the better player to sit or rest in a 162-game baseball schedule, and it's the same type of idea that applies here. I watched that game Sunday. No, Joe Burrow made incredible throws with his talented wide receivers, with an offensive line that crumbles around him within the first three seconds of a snap. Well, Every Rogers had a bunch play, of uh, had a bunch and of backups. And Joe Burrow almost got the win on Sunday. Rogers had a bunch of backups in. And your point? They played know. great. Offensive line yeah. played well on Sunday for the Green Bay Packers. Is that like Rogers telling them to play better? I don't know what you're trying to argue. Here. I just don't see how. Like, I understand that. Like, pl- I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I don't think the the talent thing is statistically Joe Burrow played worse. That's <laughs> well, the bottom line. You, 
take your statistics to the bank. I'm gonna I'm gonna take what I saw. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I could. I mean, the numbers can tell. Can also tell a game. I'll tell so. you what to do with your numbers, Will. Go yeah, with, start the Will McCormick podcast. Without, with without, without numbers, you don't have wins or losses. So <laughs> I'm just saying your game crumbles. There, there's my argument. Okay. Joe Burrow. It's an interesting beat one. Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. It's an interesting one. Okay. It's a wrong one, but. And now, coming off of making that hot take, I'm going to try to back up my credibility is for hot? making hot, is hot takes hot? with Tony G's picks of the week. Will another struggling week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Another struggling. Week. I threw the, the extra game, the Sunday morning game. I think we have a prevailing theme. I, uh, I don't. I just had some bad luck. It's a oh, week okay, week league. Okay. All right. No, I'm talking about the hot takes. Anyways, take your hot takes and start the Will McCormick <laughs> podcast. 9-11, I came into this week. Nine wins, 11 losses, 80-57 overall throughout my career. Rams, Seahawks. Here we go, Will. See, another just bad luck I have yeah. picking games. Seahawks at home, I said, by three points. Both good games. Seahawks at home. And, of course, Russell Wilson goes and gets injured, which I started him in one of my fantasy leagues. Cost me the win. Whatever. And the Rams ultimately get the victory. Seahawks had a chance to come back and yeah, almost win that game. And then uh, someone slipped and a ball batted around, an interception by I, I, Geno Smith. I didn't know that he still played. <laughs> <laughs> I found that out Thursday night. Either way, the Rams got the win, 26-17. Um, just uh, one, Couldn't of predict many, that one. one of the many losses. that I, Yeah, it's hard to foresee. New York Jets, Atlanta Falcons overseas on Sunday morning. And I, said, I wrote it right here in the notes, Will. Bad team, bad team. I said it's a toss-up. I said Jets, 21-13. And, of course, just because I went that way, yeah. the game went the other direction. I kind of figured the Falcons would win. And the Falcons, well, whatever. <laughs> and the Falcons got a 27-20 victory. I'm 0-2 so far this week. Come Sunday noon, still four games left. Let's change it around. Mm-hmm. Saints at Washington football team. I said Washington football team at home. And, of course, the Saints, I mean, there was a play at halftime, Hail Mary, touchdown. Aww. I mean, it's just like, what? I'm going to start, I tell you what, I'm going to start making picks. And then, but really, they're going to be the opposite. In the opposite, yeah, yeah. So I'm 0-3 so far in Tony G's picks of the week. Okay, still got three games left. Let's see if we can turn it around. Sunday afternoon, Browns, Chargers, I said Chargers. They impressed me on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. I think it's a bad matchup for the Browns. Teams have trouble with that Charger defense in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. I've said that numerous times this year. I said Chargers were going to get the win 33-28, and they got an even higher, higher scoring game than that, 47-42 victory. Close victory over yeah. Cleveland. Got the first win. All right. There we Let's go. Let's get the next two. Sunday Night Football, Bills Chiefs. I tell you what. Chiefs, 38-20, I said. They're brutal. They're a bad team. They're We're going to talk about them on Thursday, Will. Yeah, they're brutal. They got the loss 45-35. Fall to 2-3. and three. Bills go to 4-1. and one. I fall to 1-5 and five on the week. 1-4 and four on the week. Excuse me. I A chance to bounce back Monday night. Colts-Ravens. I said Ravens in a blowout, 41-10. And it was the closest <laughs> game of the week. <laughs> I bet Rodrigo Blankenship. I was. You're sweating. They scored the first touchdown, and I looked at Christian, my roommate, and I said, I'm really going to go 1-5 and five this week in Tony G's Picks of the Week, aren't I? <laughs> he goes, hey, man, it happens. I go, come on now. And a chance for the Colts to win it, Rodrigo Blankenship. And he shanks it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, let's go, let's go. Granted, he was injured, apparently. Uh, what, what was the deal with that? A hip injury, I guess. But then, So they didn't bring him out. They brought out the punter. Yeah, that was weird. He kicked the field goal, missed it. 
timeout was called or there was a penalty Flag, somewhere. something. Then Blankenship came out, kicked the field goal. It was good, but apparently he's injured. I, I don't know what that deal was. That was a bizarre situation. Weird. Nonetheless, I was right, Will. Ravens got the 31-25 victory in overtime. Two and four. Tony G's picks of the week. That brings me to 11 and 15. Right when I thought, right when yeah. I thought I was going to get back into it, maybe scathe over 500. No. It's going to take a good week next, uh, these Thursdays, picks coming up. Yeah, I'm gonna, I think there's another Sunday morning game. There might Perfect. be another six. So another opportunity just to bounce back. Overall, I just surpassed 80 wins. I'm now at 82 after this week. Mm-hmm. Just surpassed 60 losses. That loss <laughs> record is certainly catching up to me. I'm 82 and 61 in my career. Tony G's picks of the week. We got to end positive. Yeah, speaking of ending the show positively, Joe Burrow outplayed Aaron Rodgers. No, right. he didn't. Ha. <laughs> huh. What do you say, Will? That a show? Yeah. I already had a Thursday show planned. Oh. We're going to be talking about something and something and something else. I forgot. Sweet. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about something. <laughs> No, I, I think we're going to be talking Chiefs. Oh, that's what it was. We're going to be talking Chiefs. We're going to be talking. We're recapping the Brewers NLDS. They play Game Four right after this recording of the Tony G Show, and Game Five, if there is one, will be Thursday. So we'll be recapping the NLDS to either thus point or overall, mm-hmm. hoping the Brewers can score at least something. I be great. Uh, we'll talk about that Thursday, and the frustration level of your host Tony G makes you want to punch a wall. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. I can't talk about it for too long because then I'll get all amped up and we're towards the end of the show. The mm-hmm. show will go another half hour of me just ranting. So we'll, we'll call it here. Good episode. Good episode. Glad to see uh, yeah, Will McCormick's you know, bounced around in a good mood. He had been bouncing a couple midterms and needed big that. exams. And needed that fall break. I, I know, man. I'm sitting there Thursday night, Friday night, staying up late until... Mm-hmm. I want to go to bed. Yeah. Not have to worry about getting up, going to class. It was nice. It was great. It was nice and relaxing. So I'm glad we had that out of the way. Again, Tim Coughlin's interview is out. That was a great interview. Check that out. Really Give that fun. a listen. We have newest member of the 1000 Dig Club, Liz Maastricht. She's on the schedule. She will be our next. And possibly final, looking into a couple other candidates for the October series of Tony G Show interviews. And then November. We already have a couple names lined up. It'll be a big month for mm-hmm. Tony G Show interviews. So keep an eye out for all of the content coming out from the Tony G Show. He is at Willis5312. I am at Tony G Nation on Twitter. So give us a, a, a listen and follow us along. Let us know if you're interested in maybe being on the show. We can see if it works out. We can see if it works out. Maybe get a time allotted yeah. for you. I've had a couple people reach out to me. Here's the thing, though, Will. I do have to. I've had a couple people reach out to me. Listen. We're the Tony G Show. We're like, we're like the Howard Stern Show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I can't promise but that, not at all. that we can get everybody on the show. No, I mean, but you can always We're ask. very popular. We're, we're worldwide, Will. I was just showing you the Tec- stature. I mean, yeah, technically. What don't was say technically. Don't discount not, it. We are worldwide. We had some downloaders in Moscow, I Russia. tell you what. For those of you listening in Moscow, Russia, yeah. Dublin, Ireland, and Brussels, Belgium, thank you very much. Yeah. There, we have a, I don't know. I, now we're just going on a, a rant here towards the end of the Tony G Show, but these are what my statistics tell me. People are listening from these regions of the world. So, so for those of you, you listening worldwide, and it's even wider spread in America. Yeah. A lot of listening in California and the Midwest. Florida some. Especially the Green Bay, Milwaukee, Chicago region. Man, Tony G shows actually worldwide. <laughs> like, I, I'm not discounting Statistically, it. I mean, if we're going to continue with my argument here. Yeah. The stats don't Mr. lie. Mr. Analytics. <laughs> yes. We are worldwide. 
So for those of you listening throughout the world, wherever you are, thank you. Yeah. Because we're now over, what did I say, 115 shows? Not to mention, and that's not counting the interviews that we've done, so we're over 120 episodes, and we still have all of Season 8 left to go and the rest of Season 7, so we are just cooking right along. What do you think, Will? Time to call it? Yeah. Time to quit tooting our own horn? Mm-hmm. All right. Tony G Show's got some credibility to it. Respect our name. <laughs> Put some respect on our name. Put some respect on our name. It's the Tony G Show. I'm Tony G. S. Will McCormick. I'm telling you what, we're going to have an even better episode on Thursday. Yeah. We're through 10 episodes of season we're seven. We're talking five cups of coffee before the show. Yes. You're going to have to listen to it on halftime speed. We're going to be talking so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to the three and a half cups that uh, Will had before he came into the Tony exactly. G Show yesterday. So, mm-hmm. all right. That'll do it for today's episode. I'll see you Thursday. Tony G Show. I tell you what, let's get some runs, Brewers, huh? I know. Tony G Show. Thanks for listening to The Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 